Welcome to the new series of the Heidi Jones Coaching Podcast. This podcast is for everyone who is ready to do some of the inner work for a healthier and more positive lifestyle. I'll be delving into the topics that we need to talk about more, including our health, our mindset, and living with purpose and passion. I'll be speaking to guests that will leave you feeling inspired to find out what is possible in your life if you gave yourself the opportunity to find out. This isn't the place for chit-chat, gossip, or endless science. It's for real women with real problems that want more from life. Sound good to you? Let's move on with the show. I'm starting this series jumping straight into a guest episode. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with Victoria Maskell, expert mindset and manifestation coach trained in psychology, hypnosis, BWR technique, and she specializes in money mindset and manifestation. And in this episode, we delve into the science of law of attraction and open mindset and breaking down the barriers to manifestation. Victoria shares a manifestation game that everyone needs to give a go. And then we also delve into the science of getting rich, the fast track version of the 21st century, Victoria's book that you can go out and buy today. So I know you're going to enjoy this show. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi. I'm I'm really excited to be here. So, right. In a nutshell, I started very much in a psychology background. So the classic, I did psychology at A-level, fell in love with it. And then I went to university and I did psychology and cognitive neuroscience. Now, at the time, I was really disappointed because I wanted to do the straight psychology degree. And the university had contacted me and said, we want to do this, this new cognitive neuroscience with psychology. We love you to do it. And I was a little bit scared that they were basically saying, you're not going to get on the main psychology one. We want you on this. But in light of what I know about manifestation now, I know that that was actually the perfect decision for me because Mm -hmm. it meant that I was really looking into how our mind works. Cognitive neuroscience kind of sounds really scary, but essentially it's looking at your brain, looking at neurons, looking at how that affects your behavior, how people perceive you, your mindset, your emotions, and all of that stuff. And obviously flash forward to now, that is exactly what I use. So went to university, started studying a PhD, Um, wasn't for me. I did three years of it, but didn't finish it because I then ended up teaching psychology, which I also loved. But alongside this, I started training in hypnosis because um, I'd actually experienced some really bad anxiety in my early 20s. Went to a hypnotherapist kind of as a last resort, and I am so pleased I did because it was absolutely game-changing. I went from 24-7 panic attacks, feeling like I couldn't breathe, feeling constantly like a knotted ball of anxiety to being free of that, essentially. So the hypnosis side of things helped me to pair the psychology with the subconscious mind. So that's kind of where this all started, obviously very sciencey. And then when I started my own business, mindset-based, I came across the law of attraction again. I hadn't really realized that I'd been using it because when I was about, I think I was about 20, I wrote a letter to the universe that, right, this is really cringy and this is great. No. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I wrote a letter to the universe because I had read Jerry Halliwell's book. Yes, I know. Okay, that's cringy. <laughs> that's, that's 
really cringy. I think I was about, I think I was about 11 when I read her book and she was talking about writing a letter to the universe about the success of the Spice Girls and how she put it behind a picture of her family or something and kind of just left it there. And I, I was like, I'm going to give this a go. And the law of attraction can be super spiritual, but because I am really scientific, I love the brain, the mind, neuroscience, neuroplasticity, that's kind of how I got to where I am now. So using this really powerful force that is the law of attraction, but combining it with what I know about the brain, neurons, neuroscience. And I think the reason this is really important is not everyone is super spiritual. Not mm-hmm. everyone sees the law of attraction in a very spiritual way. And that's absolutely fine. There is so much scope for you to see it and interpret it how you need. So I now help people use the law of attraction. And even if they're super spiritual, they still come and work with me, but from a scientific perspective, so that people mm-hmm. go, oh, that makes sense oh, okay, I understand why that works now. And I think one of the big barriers of the law of attraction is people are like, yeah, but how? But but why? I don't get it. So mm-hmm. that's the sort of the puzzle piece that, that, I, that I fit in, I guess, in a nutshell anyway. That is so interesting. And I think so many listeners are going to resonate with the element of the science behind it. Because like you say, there's lots of people that perhaps aren't kind of in touch with the spiritual side. I think more and more people are being open to that. But again, having a bit of science behind it sometimes is what kind of gets people to take a bit of a risk or maybe poke their toe in a little bit to learn more. You know, like, okay, there's something behind this. It's this substance there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to be really interesting how you use that science in manifestation because that's something that I definitely haven't tried before. Oh, awesome. And I think the thing with the law of attraction is the most important element is belief. Believing that this is going to work, going to happen right for you. And if you can do that from a purely spiritual side, that's awesome. If you can't, that's where the science bit comes in, because we're kind of built, if you like, or conditioned to believe in science. Not everyone, but to have a, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it type yes. concept. So actually using the science in manifestation means you get a le- little element of that and you're like, mm, okay, oh, all right then. That makes mm-hmm. sense to me. Maybe I can go into this with a more positive mindset. And then that's when it just starts flowing. Yeah. I think there are people out there as well that find kind of the element of anything's possible really hard to kind of tap into unless they see someone else perhaps experience it and so I suppose with this it gives them something to work with doesn't it It gives them almost like a bit of a foundation for manifestation that's able to be like okay this this is this is maybe a step that I can get on board with so how would you get someone then into that space what what's kind of your process to get them to think right let's use manifestation to really help you move forward with your I suppose it's goals dreams having a better life for themselves Yeah, exactly. It's all sorts of things. You know, sometimes people have a specific thing. They want to travel. They want a new car. They want a relationship. They want a successful business, et cetera. But sometimes it's more of, you know, they've got a feeling that life is a six out of 10 right now and they want it to be an eight or a nine. So what I always say is, let's start with the open mindset of what have you got to lose? If it doesn't work, 
are you going to be any worse off? No. Sort of starting with that. Okay. And then we play a manifestation game. Now, um, this is something I talk about on my podcast and people so often send me messages like, Victoria, I was listening to episode whatever it was. And within two minutes, I saw three orange cars. And so what we do is I say to them, think of something a little bit random. So an orange car, a purple feather, um, I don't know, something, whatever comes up for them. And I say, right, just set the intention then that you are going to see that thing within the next 24 hours, because you've got nothing to lose and you're not going to die if you don't see an orange car just make it a bit fun. And I say, if anyone's got children as well, get children involved because children are so good at this because children don't have, they haven't built up that adult experience of life is tough and everything is difficult and everything goes wrong. They don't have that yet because they haven't learned it. They're like, I can be a magician. I can be an astronaut. I can be the president. Yeah. So going into it with this 24 hour manifestation game, and I just say, just see what happens. And every time people will be like, oh my God, it was so weird. I was walking down the street and then this purple feather was just on the floor. What? <laughs> and so then straight away, I'm like, okay, what happened there? You set an intention and it showed up in your reality. Mm-hmm. And that is the foundations for, oh, okay then. And then we build it from there, but it's, it's, it should be fun. Mm-hmm. It should be exciting. It shouldn't be a chore. And it it does sometimes take people a little bit of time just to break down the barriers. But that is because, just to go into the neuroscience a little bit, every thought we think is two neurons sending an electrical message to each other. Now, every time we think the same thought, we strengthen that neural connection. So it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. A bit like it becomes a motorway. It becomes really easy for your brain to send information down that route. This is why we're creatures of habit. You know, I am guilty of this as well, definitely. We have beliefs and we're like, no, they're truths. They only feel like truths because we get that zip of electrical activity that our Mm -hmm. brain goes, yep, we thought this 5,000 times before this is good. Yes. When you try something new, whatever that is, whether that's a new mindset, that's a a sporting skill or something, it feels a bit clunky because Mm -hmm. you're neural connections are a bit like a windy country road. You haven't really done it before. So it feels a little bit uneasy, a bit alien. But the more you strengthen it, those neural connections get faster and quicker and your brain goes, oh yeah, we're going to go down that route. So from a manifestation perspective, at first it can feel a little bit like, "Mm, okay, what am I doing? But the more you do it, the more you realize how powerful your thoughts are in creating things in your reality, it Mm -hmm. gets easier and easier. And I've got people in my um, manifesting magic group that we started way back in 20, I think it was May, 2019. And now they're like, oh yeah, I set the intention for some extra money. And an hour later, um, 50 pounds, I won 50 pounds on this, or my husband got a pay rise and and it's just like, yeah, of course. And they're just like, yeah, I just set the intention and it happens because of their yes, beliefs. Yes. It's so cool. It's so my, cool. my favorite manifestation, I'm going to do the money one more, but my favorite <laughs> one that I do on like a regular basis is the car parking space one oh. where, you know, it's always a nightmare to get a car parking space somewhere. Yeah. But if you go in with that mindset, then yes, you're never going to get the parking space. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, right. You're going to get position A, position A, position A. And I tell you what, nine times out of 10, I do. And I'm always like, thank you, universe. (laughs) Yeah, there's always that one place, isn't there, where you kind of feel that slight anxiety of, oh God, how am I going to do this? But there you go, manifestation. 
I think what's really interesting as well there, when you talk about like children versus adults, it's like children haven't got any blocks over their curiosity, have they? They are super curious. And so they're happy to give all of this stuff a try without any of those limiting beliefs holding them back. And then as we get into adulthood and through life experiences, that's when that kind of curiosity maybe fade slightly or we get a bit skeptical don't we and 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 it can be really hard to I suppose break through that and to see what's possible for ourselves yeah Um, there's a there's a book and I think it's called Sophie's World not Sophie's Choice I think it's Sophie's World and it's I remember trying to read it when I was really young and again I didn't really get it but she uses this analogy of a rabbit and the rabbit's fur and she says children are on the edges of the fur they're like open to ideas and experiences and everything is magical and she said as we get to be more adult like we go deeper and deeper and we bury ourselves into the fur and we block ourselves from what's possible because you know, we've all had a parent, a guardian, an adult say things like, oh, get real or live in the reality or, you know, phrases like that. Or, you know, you can't do that. That's not possible. And we're sponges. As children, yeah. our subconscious mind is literally up until the age of about seven or eight, our subconscious mind is 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 running the show as a child. And it's taking on everything. And it's like, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we're not good at that. Oh, that's not possible. Oh, that's a bad thing to do. And that just gets cemented into our minds unless we start making different choices as as adults. And I think it's about going, okay, I have a belief system. What's working for me and what's not working for me? Because if something isn't working, no matter how long I've held that belief or that expectation, I can change it. Might take a little bit of time, might need a little bit of support, but I can change it and I actually can live a happier, healthier, more productive life just by making that choice. And and obviously I'm not saying someone who has gone through intense trauma can click their fingers and just go, okay, great, I'm going to live the best life. But what I am saying is I see every day people who have had experiences in their early childhood that have left them with anxiety or phobias or or lacking self-belief and I've seen them transform that no matter how long they've they've held it. Mm Because I think you know that phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Yes. We know that's not true now because we know because of neuroplasticity that our brains are constantly doing this little pruning process where it's like, oh, do we use that connection? No, chop that off. And there's this thing called axonal sprouting, which sounds like I'm a brain gardener, but I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> like this, this process is basically saying, right, if I start learning a new skill, so I I wasn't, I know this is this is going against what you do, but I, I wasn't very sporty in my teens and mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at fitness because I built up a mindset of I'm not good at this. But in my late 20s, 30s, I really, really got into exercise. So my brain has done lots of axonal sprouting around fitness is good, gives you endorphins, you feel healthier, you love this. And so I've definitely made shifts like that. And anyone can do that if they make a choice of, okay, what's not serving me? What do I want to work on? Yes, it's like decide. I suppose it's knowing what it is that you maybe want your life to look like versus kind of just waiting for things to happen. Very similar to you. I didn't do any sport (laughs) until I was at least 29 years old. (laughs) Okay, I'm really that right. (laughs) Okay, okay. So what you've just said there, that's obviously what was happening with me. I decided, you know, health was going to be a priority. Mm -hmm. And 
I was going to get into sport. It was all clunky, uncomfortable. And I kept, I suppose I did thought work where I was like, look, being uncomfortable is a good thing. It's going to help you kind of move towards more of what you want and spent a lot of time really thinking about what I wanted. And one of those things was to be like fit and healthy. And so built that into my lifestyle. So yeah, totally get you there. Oh my, do you know what's really funny? I just think I talk about synchronicities a lot. I know you and I are from a very similar place in the UK. Yes. I also have it on good authority that we're the same height. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. now you're telling me that you came to, I, I'm nowhere near your level of fitness, but like you came to fitness later and it was, yeah. are we like the brunette and blonde versions of each other? We like, must be. <laughs> and we're both coaches. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. We see, so, we were just meant to meet. That was what was meant to happen. It was meant to happen. Okay, right. So I think that's been so interesting. Let's move into your book that you have out. I'd love to hear more about that and how it can help others as well. Awesome. Thank you. So I read the classic book, the Wallace Wattles book, The Science of Getting Rich, at the start of my coaching journey. Someone recommended it to me. She was like, Victoria, have you read this? And I was like, no. Read it. And had this really like polarizing feeling of half of me was like, oh my God, this is the best book ever. And the other half was like, but I can't attach to it. I can't Mm -hmm. resonate with it because it was written in 1910 by a man who was in a very different age to where we are now. So I thought, okay, then I'm going to write my version of it. As you do, you're just on a whim. I'm like, okay, then. So it is called, in fact, I've actually, have I got a copy? Ta-da! It's obviously pink because, you know, it's pink. So it's called The Science of Getting Rich, the fast track version for the 21st century. And the reason I wrote it is because I wanted not just women, but women as well to be able to read the book, understand that there really is a scientific process to manifestation, specifically of this idea of wealth, and to be able to read it and go, oh my God, I'm a bit like that. Oh, okay, I can use that. And I think that was what was missing from the first book. So I've essentially taken what Wallace was talking about, brought it into modern day society, made it accessible to people of all genders, because if you've read the first book, it's very, he does this and man does this. (laughs) And, you know, no criticism. It was written in 1910. The internet didn't, didn't exist. So when he's talking about getting into the right business, and I think he says something like, don't try and sell pineapples if you live in Alaska or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, technically now, if you live in Alaska with all the internet stuff, you can do whatever you like. So the book is really, really accessible. It's broken down into separate chapters with a um, kind of an action step at the end of each one. Because again, how many books have we read yeah. where we've thought, oh my God, that's amazing but I don't know what to do. So every yes. chapter has an action step. That's the coach in you. That's the coach yeah, in is. you. You have it to is. like give something that people can take away. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Because yeah. we know that actually if people want to get results, they have to do something. Yes. You can read the most amazing books and have the most inspiration, but it's like the law of attraction. It's the law of attraction. There's action in there. Mm-hmm. It's not just going, mm, okay, I can visualize it all, but I'm going to sit here and take no action. So okay. the book is obviously the science of getting rich, but it isn't just money. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's money. Yes, it's for business owners. Yes, it's for people who are in a nine to five, but it's also really talking about the concept of 
you get to create a life. You get to create riches in health, in wealth, in love, in family, because it's all the same scientific formula. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the book, really. And again, I remember sitting as probably about a 10-year-old, seeing my dad, who um, was a freelance journalist and had kind of written some books, but they're on fishing. So it's not really my thing. I love him, but it's not really a book I'm going to pick up and go, oh, koi carp. Um, (laughs) But I remember sitting there going, wouldn't it be amazing to write a book? And the fact that I have now, again, I think this is, this is the law of attraction. I set something in motion. I set an idea in motion. And I think people are doing this all the time without realizing, but it took me being a coach, a business owner, seeing a kind of a problem I could solve for that to really come to fruition. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if anyone is sitting there thinking, maybe I could write a book, just do it. Like, honestly, I I am not an English major, like, but, but you can do it. So yeah, that's what the book is about. Oh, brilliant. I think there is a good element as well around, and it's like the fast track to getting rich and no woman should be ashamed of wanting to get rich as well. Like I love how you're a money mindset coach because Mm. like, you know, as women throughout history, we have been (laughs) less well off than men and it still happens. And and like you say, we're pre-programmed or we've heard these things growing up that put into our subconscious that really have affected how we go out there and make money and what our worth is like if you speak to women they they'll give stuff for free they will you know give massive discounts you know they won't put themselves forward for promotions until they're they feel completely ready or they'll do the work for free waiting for the boss to give them a pay rise later and it's just um it's just a, a whole nother I suppose topic that we could delve into massively But let's hear more from your perspective for the women listening to this podcast on that around the money mindset, because I think that is such a such a good topic that we definitely don't talk about enough. Yeah, because so many people feel that it's what's the word they feel like it's almost like embarrassing to ask for more money or you think you're better than you are. There's like there's so much kind of like guilt and shame around this element of money. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be a millionaire. (laughs) And why? It's it's like it's taboo. And I remember when I was in my nine to five, my um, ex boyfriend, so my boyfriend at the time, I remember him sitting there and going, Fix, do you realize you're not paid enough? And I was like, What? I was like, Well, thanks. But he was like, You need to go and talk to the boss. And, and you need to ask for a pay rise. Look at how much you are doing. And I was like, no, no, I'm I'm being paid what I meant to be paid. And he was like, you are not. Go and have the conversation. And I was like, really wow. taken aback yeah. because I had never thought of that. It had not crossed my mind that I would even enter into a discussion about why I deserved more money for what I was doing. Because I was like, well, I just do my role. I like to think I went above and beyond, which is what he was talking about. But I was like, no, that's what the role is paid. And that's what I'm paid. And that was a real turning point because he was saying it so naturally and so easily that it was obvious. And I thought, hang on a minute. And they, they I, I think a coach once said to me, we teach what we need the most. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm, yeah, that is probably because I've had to do a lot of money mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're so right. There is this entrenched feeling in in people, but particularly in women, that it's 
awkward to ask for money that it's rude that it's like I couldn't possibly do that that it's like that they're gonna get shot down as no of course you don't deserve more than that and we don't have those conversations because our subconscious is going oh my god how awkward would it be if we were told you're not good enough so we rather than going okay you don't think I am or you know, not yet or whatever, we go, God, I couldn't have that conversation because it would be so wounding. Yeah. And as you said, I think there's some generational stuff in ourselves around women's role around money. And obviously some of this is stereotypical, but realistically, if you go back through history, women couldn't even go to the doctors on their own. Women were not given the opportunities to have jobs, to run their own money, to have their bank accounts, to actually even have this mindset of I can and then fill in the blank and I think that's still in us somewhere Um, and it stops people having conversations it stops exactly as you said people start going uh oh I'll just do it for free because they don't want to enter into that conversation of this is the price of my session or this is the investment or this is that and a lot of it I think is fear and self-worth and Whenever I talk about money manifestation, people say to me, how do I manifest money? I was like, you have to feel worthy of it and you have to feel it's safe to have it. Mm -hmm. If you think, um, if you think again, very stereotypically, your brain is working through all the things that could be going wrong, for example, with money. So number one, someone could turn around and say, you, I'm not going to pay you that. Who are you to know, et cetera. Imposter syndrome comes in. It could also mean that, we perceive that our relationships might disintegrate if we have abundance. So, you know, particularly the male-female dynamic, I've even heard people say that um, women are looking up to their fathers. So they're saying, right, how much did my dad earn? How much did he he earn? I don't want to earn above that because then that's going to upset the balance of I'm his daughter, he's my father, he's the man. And you might be listening to this going, no, that wouldn't be me. But again, it might be on a subconscious level. Yeah, It might be this perception that you've grown up saying, my father is the head of the household. I can't supersede that because then I'm upsetting the balance. He might not love me. He might not care about me. Again, really subconscious stuff potentially. But it's all of these things that self-sabotage us. And I don't see this in men in any way, shape or form in the same level. So, yes, because Mm -hmm. we're human, but it's not to the same level and it's not for the same reasons. With men, again, it can be very stereotypically, but if I'm summarizing, it's more to do with, I feel like I need to be the provider. I feel like I need to step up. I feel with women, it's more, I don't want to have those conversations. Am I good enough? Um, What if I'm told no? Am I ready for this? Am I an expert enough, et cetera? So we, we come with different belief systems, but yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about all of this taboo-ness around money. And the, I just think the more conversations we have about it, the better. Yeah, absolutely. So people should definitely tune into your podcast <laughs> and get in the mindset of knowing their worth, owning it, Mm-hmm. and going out and, and getting it I suppose yeah <laughs> and just like and why not like yeah why wouldn't if I said to someone listening to this why wouldn't you be worthy of the money so if someone mm-hmm. says oh I don't deserve it well why and one of the things I talk about in the book actually is that wealth abundance riches it's not this limited resource life is not a limited resource that we think it is we're always expanding so let's say 
person A makes a huge amount of money and their business is incredibly successful. They then create opportunities for other people to work with them. So actually their wealth has a direct positive impact on other people. Like you said at the start, it's also that that person who's been successful becomes an expander from, for someone else. And the other people go, she did it. Yes. She's, she's like me. She's a working mom. She's this age. She's done that. Hang on a minute. Maybe this is the evidence I've been looking for. And actually just knowing that if you're successful, you're not taking from anyone else. You're not like having more of your share. And I think that again is the um, a great friend of mine, Annika, once oh, yeah. said, <laughs> um, women do what they feel they should do. Men do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm not making massive generalizations, but if you just take that, women feel like, oh, I shouldn't have that. I, I shouldn't ask for that. So they're like, oh, I should, I, I should just stay in this small place and kind of only charge this. Whereas a man's perspective might be, I'm worthy of it. I deserve this. I'm good. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. that maybe shift that we're looking to have just to even things up a little bit because Absolutely. the world is full of opportunities. That's It really is. And again, it's around that thought work, isn't it? That you've got to recognize the thoughts that you've got got going on around your head around money and earning more and then being able to do the daily work on it, isn't it? The, The daily work of being able to kind of reframe them and challenge them and and again like step into that curiosity what's possible and I just love how you say you're not taking anything away from anyone else you're actually if you become more well off you know in your finances think of all the good that you can do you know you can you can give more to charity you can support other people you know there's so much good that can come from having more uh, of a financial dependence I suppose independence yeah yeah and they kind of say like uh money in good people's hands does good things and I've butchered that that saying but it is true isn't it like if you if you see yourself as a really positive heart-centered person money is just energy money is just a resource it's just going to allow you to be more of who you are money Mm -hmm. doesn't have to turn you into this kind of Scrooge McDuck kind of uh, Mr. Burns from the Simpsons type type character at all. It just can amplify and it really is just energy. We've put Mm -hmm. money on this massive pedestal that like, oh my God, it's this, it's not, it's just energy. Ultimately it started off as like camels and sheep and then gold bars and now notes and now crypto. It's always shifting, but it's Mm -hmm. our perception of it. And Mm -hmm. exactly as you were saying, it's the daily thought work. It's the okay, how would it feel to be? And sort of normalizing the idea that it's safe to be wealthy, that it's safe to ask for more, and that it's something that's easy for you to do. And obviously build that up. You know, you don't have to go straight to wanting to be a millionaire. But yeah, build that up day by day. Absolutely. Like kind of take those steps to see yourself, you know, doing, I suppose it's doing the work and and turning it into your reality, like you mentioned right at the start, helping you see that, what you're kind of manifesting is then becoming more of your reality. So starting off with small steps is going to help you kind of see that, isn't it, um, along the way? Exactly. Build the baby steps, build those neural connections, and it just gets easier and easier. Amazing. It's been so interesting talking to you today. I would love for you to share the name of your book again, your podcast that everyone needs to go and listen to Thanks. and your Instagram, because you have a great Instagram. You're always putting your reels up and 
reels are the way forward a <laughs> little bit of comedy on reels yeah, yeah. Awesome. bit of comedy on reels you've got have you got your cat haven't you on there as well oh, so if yeah. you're a cat person get on there <laughs> Yeah, go and check out my censored cat post from, but yeah, uh, awesome. So the podcast is called the Positivity and Prosperity Podcast. If you just type that in, you'll find it everywhere. My Instagram is at victoria.muscal and obviously link in bio for all the various links. And the book is called The Science of Getting Rich, the fast track version for the 21st century. And you can get that on victoriamaskell.com. So basically, if you remember Victoria Maskell, you can find my podcast, my Instagram and my website. So <laughs> and there you go. Thank you and so I much. I will add all that to the show notes as well. So people that need to maybe refer to it, they can, but it will all be on there. But it's been absolutely um, a joy having you on. It's um, really inspiring. And I'm like, right. I am going to manifest that purple feather. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to manifest, but I am going to think about it today. I'm going to think like, what can I manifest for tomorrow? It's very yeah. exciting. That's it. Everyone listening should think of something a little yes. bit out there, a little bit crazy. Even if it's something like a text from someone you haven't heard from yeah. in ages and just be like, oh, how exciting is this going to be? When's it going to happen? And just, yeah. Set the intention and you'll see what manifests. <laughs> yes, be open to it. And just see what happens. Like you say, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't happen. It's the worst that can happen today, you know. And often when people do that, sorry, it then it yeah. then kind of shows up the next day because they've lost the attachment to it. They've lost that, oh, I haven't seen it. And then it will just show up. So. Yes, <laughs> love it. Oh, thank you so much. And Oh, well, let's get you back on another time. Let's delve deeper into, you know, that element of like, we all deserve more money. You know, we are worthy of everything that we put our minds to. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Heidi. Speak soon. Want to discuss more options, lifestyle tweaks or changes that you could make to create more balance? Pop over to Instagram and send me a DM. I'm happy to help. If you know someone who would love this episode, please share this podcast with them. Also remember to leave your review. This is one way to help others find my podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to speaking with you next week.